think, guess what? What? You're back in the Grotto Pod. I feel like I was just here. Uh, so do I. Uh, we are back in the Grotto Pod, and so are you. Um, Bridget, of course, is here, as you uh-huh. just heard. I am here. Uh, soon we will be joined by... Jack. Jack Bulware, who is sort of a San Francisco, I don't want to say counterculture, because that's kind of goofy, but he's a, a specifically cultural icon here. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think he's kind of a literary icon. Why he not? is a literary icon that yeah. didn't set out to be one, and I think I want to talk to him about Did that. Did he not? Bit. No, he came here in 83, and he was... um. He was kind of a, uh, he got more into the comedy scene at first, and, oh, and I think right. he got into the punk rock scene a little bit. Oh, for sure, because he's done that punk rock movie. And it'll be interesting, in the punk rock book, uh, Gimme Something, yeah. which I have read, an oral history of uh, oh, Bay Area Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Was that made into a movie? He was in the movie. Oh, a different guy the made yeah, the movie, yeah. but okay. he was in the movie when Dr. Frank was in here. Oh, yeah, spoke that's of right. That also, it's all come back full circle. icon. Uh, Jack has written three books, uh, Sex American Style, 1997, San Francisco Bizarro, 2000, and, of course, Give Me Something. He uh, He's a journalist who's written for a ton of publications. Uh, do you think he'd call himself a journalist? I think so. I uh, mean, I think he's written for especially a lot of Bay Area icon places like Wired, Salon. Right. Uh, yeah, he had a column in Salon. Yeah. What was that called? Naked uh, something? I'm not sure. I can't I just remember. I'm so embarrassed. Uh, research. Here's the thing, though. Larry has notes. That's I me. have nothing. I did take some notes, and I listened to a podcast with Jack in it. He seems like a good uh, idea. he has the gift of gab, which I'm looking forward to. Oh, for sure. Uh, but also, uh, in addition to everything else, Jack has a really interesting origin story, all this stuff, but... Yes. He is also the founder of, the co-founder of Litquake. Yes, which is for sure a San Francisco literary icon uh, And experience. the festival, which, uh, since this episode will go live two weeks from today, which is the week Litquake I think that begins, is Litquake week. You should be enjoying some Litquake activities, and perhaps while you're walking from one to the other, give a little listen to the Grotto Pod and Jack Bulware. You guys, if you do not live in San Francisco... And have never been to Litquake because if you live in San Francisco, you have obviously been to Litquake. Right. But it is so fun and so amazing, and it's a week of just incredible, like jam-packed activity, literary. Yeah, activity. and it's all free. Not all of it. Mostly free. Yeah. It's mostly free. Can it's I just rewind free. the tape there for isn't a second? Isn't Mark Maron coming? His Mark isn't Maron free. is probably not free. <laughs> it's not free. <laughs> you think he'd be on our podcast? Are. We can always ask. Let's go. Let's ask Mark Marin if he'll be on our podcast. Okay. Uh, I believe you and I will also be appearing at Litquake. <laughs> I think we will. Although we're not in the program. No, because, well, I am, but in something You else. are in something else. Um, so, first of all, we're the MCs for the Grotto's appearance wait, wait, at wait. Lit Crawl. Do I have to come up with an MC name? Yeah. Oh, shoot. All right. Well, I got a couple days because we go, uh, we are appearing on the 14th of October. Lit Crawl. Lit Crawl. Yeah, which is a really fun kind of pub crawly evening where every hour, well, first of all, every hour there are multiple, multiple yeah, readings and, all over the mission at bars, at stores. We have, In fact, we have a lot of competition in our slot. Oh, we do. And in fact, we have a lot of grotto competition in the sense that a lot of grotto people who aren't reading with the grotto are reading with other, I think, Lit At that camp. same time? Yeah, that's what happens. It happens all the time. Well, what you really should do, though, is come see us instead. Oh, for sure. Uh, where will we be? We will be at, I'm looking at Public it. Space, I Public think, is space. the name of it. It's called, Second it's, floor. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a, uh, I forget what it is by day, but by night it becomes a discotheque. So perhaps we, like uh, we might be dancing a little I bit might afterwards. I might wear go-go boots. I know what I'm going to wear. I'm going to wear what? a Grotto Pod t-shirt. <gasps> oh, me too. And go-go boots. Because it makes you look huge. Um, because it makes you look huge? Did you way. get a black one? I got a blue one. Oh, okay. That's okay. Yeah, blue. I want to be a little different. Anyways, back to Jack. Um, you, I mean, you know what? I just want to say, hmm? anyone can have a Grotto Pod t-shirt. You can just go to Zazzle and order yourself up a Grotto Pod t-shirt or perhaps a mug if you're more into the coffee. Tote bag. Tote and bag. actually, Larry, Bumper I just want to say that I am planning to bring myself personally some Grotto Pod swag to our evening to give away. Yeah, yeah. So at the very know. least, you'll get a bookmark. Yeah. Yeah. Show yeah. up. Show up. This is what you get. Maybe a sticker. I don't know. So we got Jack out there. Uh, I also wanted to mention uh, something that actually impacted me back then. I was sort of weirdly traveling in parallel circles, but never inter- interacting with. Isn't Jack it interesting in when you 90s. meet people like that? It is really bizarre. Yeah. It happens more and more as you get I older. I know. It's really true. I was involved in the zine scene. Oh. Uh, I didn't coin that term. I think. Well, actually, maybe I just did. Yeah, zine you didn't coin, but zine. Zine scene. scene. There was a pretty active zine scene back then, and uh, Jack ran one. I don't even know if you call it a zine. It was a real magazine. No. The nose? The nose. That was a yeah. magazine. That was uh, not a zine. 1988 to 1995. He it was um when I would talk to him a little bit about this, he seems to have a 
a, a sort of set response to what the nose was. It was a West Coast spy for people that didn't go to Ivy League schools. I love that. Yeah, it's a really good concept. I loved the nose, and I wanted to write for the nose, but it never just we never crossed paths. Oh, so. But were you weren't you in Seattle then? Uh, after a while, I was in Seattle, oh, okay. but I found out listening to a podcast today that they had writers in Seattle, uh, which I didn't know, but I'll get to the bottom of it. Yes, do dig like the journalist you are. So I think we need to check out now because we need to leave a lot of space for Jack. Yeah. He's going to tell us a bunch we're of gonna stuff. We're going to hear some awesome tales, I'm so pretty sure. We're going to hear some good tales, not only about how his life, but also about the founding and sort of uh, the creation and execution of Litquake. Which is... I think international now. It's definitely national. It is international. That's pretty crazy and pretty awesome. So let's go get uh, Jack Bulware, okay. pronounced correctly Bulware, from Miles City, Montana. I know. Let's start this One whole of my thing peeps. Off. Jack Bulware, welcome to the Tiny Grotto Pod. Thank you. Nice to be here. It's great to have you here. You, of course, are the co-founder of Litquake, and we want to talk about Litquake, but I think we'd be remiss to have you in our clutches without talking about not only your colorful history, but... Ooh, colorful. But also what you've kind of meant to the literary scene in San Francisco. But first, before that, you know, I have a question. I think whether famously or infamously you are from a small town in Montana... Um, I am. I said Miles City, but apparently you moved there. You were a He moved to the big city. Uh, Yeah, Miles City to me was the big city. Yeah. If we were going... uh, What is it now? It's 8,700. Yeah, it was about 10,000 when I was was there. Well, it's kind of... Shrunk a little. It's a small town, but it's kind of the only game in town, right? In southeastern Montana? It's the biggest uh, metropolitan area, shall we say. It has uh, three... Freeway exits or two? I oh, can't even so remember. So next three exits. Yeah. Miles City. On my Montana mug, there is Butte, Great Falls, Helena, one more, and Miles Billings. City. Billings, probably, and Miles Billings. City. So look at that. So listeners, just so you know. It had a, a, an infamous past. Yes, uh, that's for sure. Oh, we have 67% Montanans in the grotto Is that what today. two-thirds is? Uh, yeah, I was a oh. math guy as a kid. Wow, look at that. But, you know, but I do have a question related to that. And it's not that I'm sitting here wondering what it was like to go into Miles City to buy shoes, and that was like a trip into the big city for you when you were a kid. Um, I actually did the same thing, only it was Scranton, Pennsylvania, that we'd go into. Like, how There's no into the city comparison. To buy shoes? There's no comparison. I know, comparison. we had 80,000. Yeah. But my question is, why not Seattle? Why San Francisco? Kind of give me a little history of why you came to San Francisco. I lived in Seattle for a long time, and everyone from Montana seemed to go there as the big city. Oh, um, the the... Escape hatches, when I was growing up, if someone was really successful growing up in Montana or in a small town in Montana like I did, uh, you got a good job in Denver. Yep, Denver. Maybe an energy company. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you were an accountant. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe you moved to Minneapolis. That was a big step. And uh, Seattle, uh, that was where all the engineer people went because of the Boeing situation back then. So, uh yeah, that's those were the sort of uh, you know people. Where, where'd he go? I don't. So and so's kid moved. I don't. Where did he go? Well, he got a good job in Denver. He fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. Well, so exactly. you were a kid not lacking in self confidence. Then, if you just went, I'm going to aim a little higher than all of that. No, it's it's uh, it's not quite that simple. Uh, I didn't really know much about San Francisco when I was a kid. I've never been anybody really from California. I mean, if. Somebody, if there was a license plate from Wyoming oh, totally. that drove through town, you'd go, oh, what are those guys up to? <laughs> you know, it was suspicious immediately, like out of staters. You would just sniff Key at their them. car. <laughs> yeah, if you could. Yeah, if, yeah exactly. Uh, so I, uh, I went to college in Montana, and after one semester, I complained to the dean of arts. You're I have Bozeman, no right? idea why. Yes. Uh, I, I just need to say, for those who are listening now, Bozeman, Bozeman in the 70s was a cow town. It is now kind of glamorous. It's Bozifornia now. But it, it, it was, it was. I mean, I remember being a little scared of Bozeman. Mm. That's where the real, it was, real cowboys uh, were. It was a redneck school. Yeah, okay, um, thank you for saying that. It was agriculture yeah. primarily yeah. and uh, math, computer. There was a burgeoning sort of computer geek scene. You'd have to go to this one building at midnight to get time on some sort of thing. I don't yeah. know. What it was. I was not one of those people. <laughs> the but, mainframe. Uh, but yeah, I was 
you know, uh, living next door to a fraternity that was agriculture themed, and they had a oh, fake terrifying. calf on their front lawn. There you go. And they would get drunk and practice roping the calf yeah. during the afternoons. Better than other things. So yeah, I complained. For I complained to the dean. Um, I don't know why. I was just. I don't know. And I. Um, I went in, I got a meeting with him, and he said, sit down, what are you interested in? What's going on? And I said, I'm not happy with the school. I, I think the professors. I was in the film program then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that was a motley crew of maybe 20 or 30, you know, confused kids who were not engineers or agriculture majors. And most, a lot of them were from out of state. So uh, the, all their professors were kind of, I don't know, they weren't that successful. They never had much experience in film outside of making documentaries about a local ski resorts, which we had to watch over and over. So I complained, and he said, I know I've been trying to leave myself. Oh. Wow. And I thought, the answer you Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he said, what are you interested in? I said, creative writing. I said, there's a couple of good schools. Check them out. University of Oregon, Iowa. What about uh, Missoula? It's let right me there. know uh, what you think. Crazy. Uh, nobody knew Missoula was a writing school. What? When you live there? Oh yeah, maybe not. Okay. No. Uh, okay. And uh, and ac- plus, it's Missoula. If you're Bozeman, you don't like that. Well, it was known to have uh, vegetarians and people from out of state and lesbians. That's uh, what I remember. They that wasn't even an issue when in the '70s when I was in college. Oh, yeah. It was uh, pretty much lettuce heads. Okay, that's what yeah. people referred to Missoula as. But then and you of course, went all uh, in on lettuce heads. Then when you went to to Eugene. Uh, oh yeah, no, I had to make a severe adjustment in my uh, sort of. Uh, um, worldview. You know, yeah. there were uh, ponytailed hippies on bicycles with the little hippie kid in the back on a trailer. Whoa. You know, there was changed. a lot of yogurt and sweaters oh, and yogurt. Remember when that was weird? Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so sweaters. I actually met a lot more people from the Bay Area when I was in Eugene, but okay. I didn't want to stay there either. I, uh, I graduated uh, there, and I, I was working as a radio DJ and a television announcer. Hmm. And I just quit and moved. You were working in Eugene after I graduation? Was. KSD Stereo 93. <laughs> oh my God, that was fantastic. Well, I love that. That someone with such early wanderlust, I don't know very many people who have dug into this place the way you have. I keep wanting to leave. Really? And other things kind of pop me. up. But where uh, would you go if you. Because I, I often say this to myself where would I go? Um, it's a good question. Yeah. Uh, you, you know. Depending on what you wanted to do or what you had planned in advance, it would be a lot of starting over. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever think about going back to Montana? No. No, not me either. No. Uh, no, no. I don't have any family who lives there. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, I don't really keep in touch with anybody I grew up with or went to school with. Wow, you don't with. have any family there? That's No. Wild. No. Wow, okay. reduced to an anecdote about your past. Yeah, okay. <laughs> or series of anecdotes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, I killed them all, and they haven't found that's, the I mean, I, there was this part of me that's like, well, where did they go? But I'm not going to no, go no, there. They're, uh, everybody's either dead or moved away. Got well, it. that surprises me, though, because you certainly don't act like someone who thinks of leaving here. You know, you've almost become synonymous with a certain way to live in San Francisco. A the, certain the good way. way. The yeah. good way. Absolutely. Oh, my God. You guys are reading too much into this whole thing, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, I'm all about analysis. You know... Litquake is one of the great things that happens in San Francisco every year. I like to think of it as our anti-SantaCon, um, where... <laughs> mind SantaCon. Oh, I mind SantaCon. Really? What you do you mind about? I mean, I don't ever participate Drunken in it, assholes? That's what I mind. In Santa suits. It's really the only time I want to oh, see God. Well, suits. what I want to see is a bunch of people psyched about writing, and it makes me right. really happy, and I love it. I love it's a full week. And can I just say, you seem very calm, considering it's coming up in, like, two weeks. Oh, this is... This is panic. Okay. Oh. And yeah. then there's a somewhat a degree of maintenance underneath that. I'm impressed. I'm not look, going to look at my phone for an hour. There are two other people in our office right now, and uh, I enjoy the break. Oh, good. Honest. I'm really glad to hear this. This is the 18th year. you got some stuff down by now, don't you? Although it keeps growing exponentially. We always challenge ourselves, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't stand going to book conventions or festivals where it's very predictable. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are. A lot of them are sort yes. of cookie cutter templates mm-hmm. around the country. Um, not to badmouth, you know, uh, others in in the field, but uh, we never wanted to do a festival that was rows and rows of books and these sad people sitting at 
you know, uh, tables and, and, you know, and people are bumping into each other trying to get free galleys and it doesn't really, uh, it's everything except about the words. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. Yeah. Well, it also, it seems consistent, um, your career since you've gotten here and I actually want to back up a little bit, but after this, but. How's this going so far? It's awful. I'm really, I'm ready to walk. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember the colorful, you know, I'm going to try and be banter? colorful in a yeah. bit. It seems We're like you've, terrible sort, of, at colorful you've sort of dedicated yourself to doing whatever you do, doing it a little bit off-center. You know, and I feel mm. like Litquake is kind of an off-center literary festival. It's not as sober. That's why it's fun. Yeah, I mean, that's what draws me to it. It's, it's you know, readings in bars versus... Definitely some bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it seems like that is sort of something that you've made a career out of. Is is like when you did the nose? I was listening, like I said, I was listening to this podcast. Wow! And you said you were really interested in finding stories no one else had covered before. Yeah, yeah, I am that kind of person. I think. So right. my question is: You got here in 1983. What was the plan? Was it like? Um, was, actually, was this even a place? I moved to Seattle in 1988, and back then it was a place that you just showed up. Was this a place you just could just show up in 83? I don't think you can anymore. <laughs> I don't either know. place. I don't know. You know, uh, there are still, you know, houses where 10 people are all roommates together mm. in a house. I mean, that, that still happens in San Francisco. Uh, no, I had um, no plan. I, I had a bunch of weird day jobs. I, uh, I drove a delivery truck. I washed dishes. Um, I had like strange acting gigs. I would dress up like uh, John Hancock in a powdered <laughs> wig and walk through the lobby of the Fremont Hotel, uh-huh. handing out uh, constitutional bicentennial Constitution bookmarks to people at a conference. To Weird what little end? things like that uh, for one hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, what was the purpose of handing out the bookmarks? Uh, just local to celebrate. Color. Oh, local color. There were all local these color. Uh, it, politicians coming in and out of meetings, ah, I see, and I, I see. did get to interrupt Ed Meese in conversation and hand him oh, a bicentennial nice. bookmark just because I wanted to because I didn't like him. Um, <laughs> well, Beth Lizick was a banana, uh, so that's a benchmark. <laughs> I did a, a lot of that kind of weird, you know. But when you got here, you weren't going to try to do radio or TV. I was already over it. Really? I mean, I looked at when I was working radio and TV, and I, I saw all these guys in Eugene, Oregon, where I was. I don't know what size of market it was, but there were a number of radio stations and TV stations, and I'd already had to change my name to Jack Robbins. <laughs> and I was like, that really makes me think of happy space. with that. Tony Robbins. Oh, yeah. Um, and I looked at people who were like 35, who were like already practically dead. Isn't you know, when you're in your early 20s, you're like, God, look at that I guy. Terrible. What a loser. So he's divorced. He's fat. He smokes too much. All he talks about is drinking beer and fishing. You know, like, Jesus. I hope I never end up like that. Oh, yeah. Um, which is, uh, uh, right, you know, you're 22. <laughs> in a closet. It's a, it's a very black and white world. There's, there's no nuance just yet. About that. There's no nuance <laughs> yes. yet. That um, very thing, yes. No, I didn't want to do that. I I'd read a book uh, in Eugene, Oregon that was a... Well, I'd read a bunch of books that uh, piqued my interest in San Francisco. Um, Like? You know, the... um, Well, there was the uh, Tom Wolf, Hunter Thompson books that mentioned San Francisco. There was a... uh, I had a book uh, that was published by City Lights on the history of surrealism. Hmm. Um, And it was really... Wacky, and it was like this crazy anthology of stuff, and and then I read a book that was a a, a history of improv comedy in the United States, oh. and a large uh, uh, sort of section of that was devoted to uh, this sort of scene that was happening in San Francisco. So I moved here, and uh, I moved here exactly 11 years after all of that had ended. Mm-hmm. But so. you did end up getting involved in... But books brought you here. That's pretty cool. Uh, shoot, I wrote it down. Yeah, they did, actually. Page. You got involved in the uh, National Theater, The Deranged. I did. Who were... Wow, you guys are going deep. I heard this, but they were I'm an offshoot of the committee, and I've, I had mm-hmm. actually heard of the committee, not mm-hmm. just because Howard Hessman was in the committee. A lot of people were. But they were yeah. a big deal in the 60s. They were a huge deal. So you did follow up a little bit. Right. And I ended up meeting a bunch of those people. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember being at a party and somebody's like, hey, Jack, meet Howard Hespin. And I'm like, yeah. And he was super cool, you know. I served very laid back, very uh, uh, sartorially snappy. Yeah. He always had a nice uh, suit on. 
Um, so yeah, I did. I uh, there there was by then no money to be made in that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so that had there been money in that? No. Oh yeah, no. Really? They had a theater in North Beach that went seven nights a week. Oh my uh, god! Two or three shows a night. I had no Is that idea. The one that um, they knocked down. No, it's a Vietnamese restaurant now. Oh. Um, but that was the in spot to go in the '60s in North Beach in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You'd go see the satire show. It was kind of like Second City, <laughs> but it was on the West man. Coast, and it was a more political. And you know, they would do scenes, you know, just having a bunch of people on stage. Everyone would be standing, you know, and you'd hear someone off stage, "Ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem," and you'd start to hear the, the song play. And there would be one person in the middle sitting in a chair. And all the others would start singing, you know, the Star Spangled Banner. And the one on the chair wouldn't. And, you know, as they're singing the song, people are, like, kind of nudging, like, come on. Come on, just just sing the song. And he'd look away. Well, no, I don't want to. And uh, the scene ended up with them yanking him out of the chair and beating the shit out of him. <laughs> and then and we, we all finished laugh. the song, and he's just crumpled dead on the stage, and the lights go out. And you're like, wow. Oh, my God. Are you ever sorry you weren't here for that era? Uh... I missed every era, you know, growing up where I grew up. I felt like uh, I was always sort of behind everything. When you grew up in that isolated part of the United States, every trend is like seven years too late. You know, you're like, bell bottoms. It's like, hey, it's 1986. Oh, my God. Exactly. Exactly. here, and again, this is based on one podcast I listen to, but you somehow managed to be right in the middle of the comedy explosion of the late 80s and early 90s. And what about East Bay Punk Rock? Yeah. You didn't miss everything, my friend. No. Uh, uh, in fact, in this neighborhood, uh, there were a lot of small magazines based right in this neighborhood. Yeah. And that was uh, a really cool little scene that not that doesn't get discussed that much. It was Dave Eggers had Might Magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the Nose Magazine down the street. There was a, uh, a, just a bunch of, like, you know, Boing Boing and Wired had just started up. Yeah. And they were all sort of in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it, it was uh, kind of cool. It was all stolen software. Mm-hmm. Whatever the software was, Quark or PageMaker, whatever it was, nobody paid for any of that. It was a very renegade kind of thing. And everybody oh my God, that makes me so wanted happy. to start their own magazine and have their own point of view and infect the masses with it. I shared an office with a magazine called Future Sex, and that was really uh, oh, trying. I Future Sex. That was really trying at times because my staff would come in. I mean staff. We were like all volunteers. And we would come in like, what can we make fun of today? What can be satirical about? Who can we assign, you know, and not have to pay much money to uh, to try and get this story? And in the other half of our office, it would be uh, an Italian video crew, you know, shooting someone at a desk who's just saying nonsense, just <laughs> nonsense, you know, teledildonics are the future. Oh, I remember one sake. quote that was in the New York Times. It was, we're taking sex out of the bedroom and into the boardroom. And I thought, what does that even mean? So there was and like, it was just a super hype explosion based on nothing. So there was I like was, a line in the middle of the office, this is the serious side. It was kind of like this that. Wait, Future uh, Sex was serious? Oh, yeah. It was, I, don't, uh, I didn't understand that. Well, they were playful, but okay. at the same time, uh, it was, you know, like a lot of things, selling weird false hope and yep. uh, futuristic <laughs> so like BS, you know, yeah. that will never come true. Uh, but, you know, there was, a, a, a lar- by then, a large group of people, at least in the area, who were all about that. You know, we're kind of oh, the yeah. birthplace of futurists, Paul Sappho and all these people down in, a, in you know, uh, the, the peninsula were already, you know, sort of like trying to imagine the future and telling us all about it and what it's going to be like in 10 years, you know, we will be able to like uh, put a chip in our ear and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I remember guys who used to tell me stuff like that and I'd be yeah. like, that sounds horrible. Yeah. Where are they now? And they're where rich. The, where's their, yeah, they, I, they are. They I remember a guy at a party no, in they, uh, the mid-80s telling me that someday there was going to be this web where all the computers in the world could talk mm. to each other. And I was like, oh, that's the so, the dysmor- uh, dystopian future. Yeah. It turned out to be a dystopian future. No. Yeah. And it was, it was a race to see who could make, you know... Is it going to be City Search? Is it going to be Yelp? Oh, yeah. What's going to be the directory of yeah. where people yeah. go? And yeah. uh, yeah. it turns out I don't think any, any of them. We don't. Go, I mean, Yelp is there, but I, I don't know. No. I don't use yeah. it. It's a. No. It's a lot of people complaining about restaurant chairs. Well, do you me. ever do you ever notice the, the difference? I don't really think I was actually sort of part of that on a much lower level. We started a magazine called Big Whoop out of the Lower Hate. Mm-hmm. I remember that magazine. Yeah, and and. Um, but sometimes it occurs to me how much easier it would have been now with computers. But different. 
you know, because then remember you'd walk into a but coffee shop and there'd be a shop, reason to be get it. Exactly. Yeah. Now everyone's on their phone. You used to go to the coffee shop and look at all those magazines. Yeah, that's right. By and the way, I love the zine the stores. The zine yeah. stores, I had, there was always, oh, a, those were you awesome. know, uh, weird funky videos and weird zines. And it was sort of this uh, kind of portal into, you know, another uh, kind of media reality that wasn't what was on your television, wasn't on your radio, and it wasn't in your Safeway magazine rack. It was like, this is where the interesting stuff is. Well, and there was some great writing. Oh, I mean, yeah. A lot of people came a, out of that scene. There was a motorcycle zine. It wasn't City Bike. I forget. Was it called? Um, called I know what you're talking about. It might was have been called, called Gearhead. No, it was, before, it was Little. And their logo was like a coffee cup with a face on it. But it was fantastic. Mm. Those guys were so smart and so funny. But I wonder where they are now. Probably just guys with jobs. Dave Eggers, he went on to do some stuff after Might, although they made fun of me, and so I liked the nose and not... Might make fun of you? Mm-hmm. How'd they make fun of you? What'd you do? I don't even want to say now. Wow. It's hopefully lost in the... Well, you can't just bring something like that up. All right. I, mean, I wrote a piece. The first thing I ever wrote was for a pretty lame magazine. piece was fine, in my opinion. What was the magazine? Soma? Swing. Oh. On the... East Coast, New York City, David what Lauren. Of, what kind of magazine is that? Um, I know, doesn't it sound sexy? It's about it was, was it about like swing dancing or something? No, or? I know, this is the problem. It's about, it was about Generation X. Oof. Doesn't that sound oh, so interesting? Man, that I title know. is just so, sizzling. So you see what happened. <laughs> but it was still painful at age 23. <laughs> oh, man. And so Mike uh, made fun of your article in Swing Magazine. Yeah, because it was like the cover story of the first issue. I would have been psyched. Did they spell your uh, um, name right? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Eviscerated me, which I deserved. Have you I ever guess. met Dave? No. I met him once. He asked me to write for him, and I said, What do you pay? He said, Nothing. I said, Not interested. Good move. Oh, yeah. I would have done it. But I like like him. I like his work a lot. Yeah, I do too. Let's go back to Jack, though, because yeah, he's let's in the do room that. with us. Why not? Um, you know, the hell with Dave. He's not here. I yeah, know. No and he, he was on NPR this no. morning. We don't need that dude. NPR Grotto Pods. Whatever. Thing, really. Um, I, mean, I like Dave. I've known him a long time. So you get you get here in 83. By 88, you're writing for the SF Weekly. Mm. That's what Wikipedia said. I don't know if I should believe him. Wikipedia? You got a Wikipedia entry. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody several, uh, put up one for the Nose magazine, long. but I, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I saw that one uh, today, too. Anyway, that is qu- wrong, but anyway. Uh, I know, Wikipedia. My question was... Um, 1990... Oh, I that's think what is it was. when so you I had started, already started the nose by then. I started the nose in '89, and uh, the next year, the editor of the weekly asked me to write his column because he didn't want to do it anymore. Okay, were so, you were you freelancing before the nose? I guess is my question. Then God no, no. So how no. how did this come about? So that's how you started. That's how you started. What were you doing? your own magazine. I started a magazine in 1986 uh, before uh, the nose. Before the nose, that was. Uh, Desktop publishing was really nascent. There was hardly anything going on. My uh, partner and I would have to drive across the Bay Bridge to Krishna Copy in Berkeley. I remember in Krishna order Copy. to actually rent a computer to like start making this magazine. We had no idea what we were doing at all. We wanted to be a humor magazine made up of some of the people in the comedy community that we knew, mm-hmm. and then we sort of met more writers. Uh, you know, uh, and it was terrible. It was just not funny. Um, I you know I I did like a uh, an interview with a cup of cappuccino that went on for like eight pages. It was sort and of like surrealism too. Kind of, and yeah. the ca- the cappuccino character was uh, very talkative and opinionated. Oh, Italian. And, uh, no, he was really into Bowie. Oh, I don't know. I was oh, okay. working out some stuff, I think. But I remember a woman coming over to me in a coffee shop and saying, did you write that cappuccino interview? Thank you. And I was like, wow, that was the first time I'd ever heard any sort of feedback at all for my anything I wrote. You know. Well, what made you decide um, to start writing? Uh, I always did when yeah. I was a kid. You know. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, wow. Boy, was boy. it that time? And it's Russia. Oh. Russia calling for Bridget. Yeah. <laughs> Russia is calling me. Put him on the air. Enough about me. <laughs> Bridget is. Uh, okay, it really is Russia with Russia. Um, yeah. If I had money, I'd be scared. Yeah. Because you were a creative writing major, right? Yeah. Well, that's not really Germane. looked upon favorably, and you know, a family of cattle ranchers Mm. um you know it was sort of like radio telecommunication film and then a creative writing okay so i you know i had to sort of 
slip it in. Slip it in, exactly. And, uh, yeah. I guess what I'm asking is at some point you got here, you hit the ground, you had these crazy jobs delivering stuff and doing whatever, but at some point you had to decide, all right, I think I'm going to start writing. Yeah, I, I remember the moment. I mean, okay. I was always writing for, like, sketch comedy groups as soon as I got oh. here. And I was writing songs and, you know, getting musicians to play songs. And I was always doing that sort of stuff. And I would just write in notebooks, you know, at my delivery job. You know, these old crusty guys who go, hey, you left your notebook. Here it is. Hey, college you know, this boy. Tiny, yeah, college boy with this tiny little writing out of, like, whatever, you know, insights that a 21-year-old can have, you know. Like, saw a guy today, he looked weird, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> Reminded me of Camus. <laughs> so, and Cappuccino. Uh, my friend That's and I, we're, we were in uh, an improv show together, improv group, and we looked out through the curtain, and there was like six people in the audience with a dog chasing a tennis ball. And he looks at me and he goes, do you want to start a magazine? <laughs> There's this new this. software. <laughs> and I was like, yes, absolutely. So that was uh, 85 maybe. Did you ever do stand-up? No. Hmm, that's strange. It seems like something you would have dabbled in, having no, done all this other stuff. never wanted to. But no. you were in that world. But you were in an improv troupe. That's different. Yeah, a number of them, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so. It was Margaret Cho. Uh, at one point. There you go. Mm-hmm. You've co- you've crossed paths with a lot of Bay Area royalty in your time. Royalty? I think so. I think of them as royalty. Cultural royalty. Mm. Everyone's looking. I met Herb Cain once. I'm, I'm like, it's like a ping I was going to say, Herb Cain, you had mentioned books you read that got you excited about me. It was Herb Cain books sitting in the public library in Seattle on my lunch hour and Research Magazine. That got me oh, I loved research. research. Yeah, Whatever right. happened to that? It was that. the Practical Jokes magazine. That one was good. Like that's the pranks. 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 Yeah. pranks, pranks issue. Pranks. Right. That was good. Yep. <clears throat> what did you? Everyone's looking at me again. That's I because know. you're talking. Is there another question? Yes, there's another question. <laughs> so, what were your ambitions when you started the Nose? Um, you had a very specific idea to be a West Coast spy minus the Ivy League pedigree. Yeah, the publisher that I got to help me launch it also grew up in Montana. And we were, like, looking at each other like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> and he had had some more experience doing mag- publishing small magazines. And we talked about it for a long time. And we wanted something that was sort of reflective of the America that we grew up in, mm-hmm. that was much more Western. It wasn't, uh, you know, talking about Donald Trump and all these socialites in New York, like what Spy Magazine was doing. Did very well. Hilariously. Uh, by the way, but, you know, uh, if you don't mix in New York, you know, what the hell are they talking about after a while? It's, uh, it's not relevant to the world you live in. So we wanted to do a magazine that was more sort of, uh, I don't know, focused on the west of the Mississippi. Uh, and so we had a kind of an attitude about that, probably. I mean, people would mail us resumes from, you know, I just came from Harvard, and I'm interested in looking at your magazine, and they'd write a cover letter. And I would read it to the staff and then tear it up and throw it in the trash. <laughs> That's so bad, because I looked at this whole staff of people that we had assembled for this magazine, and we were all from small towns and weird places and weird state universities and... Uh, we had one Yaley, but he was okay because he came from a broken home and grew up in Utah, so okay. that was okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he got he a had pass. His, his cultural bonuses. He got a pass. So, uh, you know, to, to my mind, it was sort of like if you went to Harvard and Yale or whatever, Princeton or whatever, why are you contacting us? Right. You have com- you have networks already preset that have, are generations deep. You can go to The Simpsons. You can go to Spy. You can become an intern at Harper's. You can do all these sort of things. And... You know, we started this magazine for because we didn't even have those options. But isn't it a compliment, in a sense? Aren't they saying, yeah, I could do all that, but you're the ones that I think are doing the best work, and I want to be part of that. Yeah, we didn't think about it <laughs> Maybe. at the time. Maybe. We didn't think about it that at the time. You know, we weren't uh, that open-minded. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like you did have a very specific vision. How did it feel when the nose started garnering attention, circulation, Everything but money. Um, Any frustration? It was always a hustle. It, it was almost like if we had enough money to pay, the, we kept moving printers because we owed the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so bad. How do you make money? Oh, just by selling it? Were there ads? Selling ads. Oh, there yeah, were, we there had were ads. a couple okay. of ad salespeople. Because it was free, uh, right? Yeah, I thought so. No, yeah, it was always oh. a cover price. Oh, I think oh, the first go. one was free. Um, the first issue, 26 issues. Uh, 
we studied a lot of old 40s magazines. Yeah, I read that. Actually, um, to sort of um, resurrect some sort of ideas that always seem to resonate with readers. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved uh, Robert Harrison publications. He published uh, Confidential, kind of the legendary Confidential, and they were, at the time, the most read magazines in the United States uh, in the late 50s, late 40s. Uh, before he he did Confidential, which was just awesome, gossipy. Uh, mm-hmm. The graphics were just so bold and incredible. And, uh, you know, the Inquirer is just a pale imitation of it today. Uh, he, had, he did a magazine called Whisper, which was sort of half girly Ooh. pictures. And then you turn a page and then there would be pictures of animals fighting. <laughs> around the world, Where and you're you like, "Wow, what a what an amazing sort of choice that would be." Where you did know? you get your hands on those? Uh, there was there were a couple of old magazine shops. They were expensive. They so were like here 40, in San Francisco, forty dollars a piece. Oh yeah. my god! So they were well thumbed, and I would show them to my art directors, and I show them to the staff, and we would go, "Oh my god!" And we'd get so excited about uh, not only. Uh, uh, ideas of what to write about, but how to write about it, how to approach it, and then we would layer like a satirical tone on top of that. That sounds fantastic. So, how much of that of the work producing knows the nose knows? Do you think prepared you to run something like Litquake? There, uh, there are a lot of similarities. Um, you're dealing with um, you're keeping volunteers excited. Mm-hmm. Um, you're. Uh, uh, Constantly researching and, uh, and researching authors, you know, to appear at Liquid, brainstorming ideas of how to showcase them. Um, th- a lot of that comes from just being a journalist, too. And my co founder, Jane Ganahl, and I both have long journalism backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we, we're used to burrowing for stuff anyway. So, uh, you know, that, that came very easy to us, the part of curating a festival. And uh, you know, working with the staff, getting me excited, making it fun, and not and making it not boring. That's um, the that greatest was, thing about liquid. That was a big sort of. Uh, we were doing it kind of unconsciously the first few years, but then we actually realized this is what we we can't stand is to be called boring or to do the same thing over and over again. You stayed. Yeah, and it could, because people would come to the festival and. You know, the last thing I'd want them to think is, oh, okay, there's the opening weekend, and then there's this thing mm-hmm. on Tuesday night, and then there's the blah, blah, blah. Okay, I guess I've already seen it. You know, that's uh-huh. like, no, I want them to, like, be shocked. Like, how? On, why are you doing this event? Mm-hmm. Why are you showcasing this? You know, and it's like, well, we need to. Because you're talking about it now, and so, you know, that's part of it. If there's something like that in a, in a week of festival events, then you know the more traditional events actually, uh, I think, are highlighted more because people are people are looking at all of it as a whole, and so you know it doesn't seem all boring if there's you know a couple of insane things along the way. And is it now every things I've read about the time of the nose? It was more than a magazine for you. It was sort of a way of life. It was a social life. It sort of enveloped you. Is the same thing happen with Litquig? No. We're older now. But Liquid must now. take over your whole life. Isn't it a year-long process? How do you pull all this together? I mean, it's I was... It's a year-long uh, um, Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, how much time job. do you take off afterward? I try to go away for a month. Mm-hmm. I, I, so I've seen the... You said, uh, the what is it called? The flyer, not the flyer, the program. Oh, uh, yeah, I see. Pages that. and pages and pages. Mm-hmm. So beautifully done, but so much going on every single day. And all I could think of was, oh my God, doesn't Jack just. I mean, I think about. Do you, does it, it make you kids. angry? No, it makes me happy. Okay, but it makes so me it makes some people angry because they can't, they can't go to everything. everything. Because they can't see everything. I did yeah. the, uh, that Kathy Acker one, mm-hmm. I really want to go to, and I have something else. During the whole day, and I'm like, can I actually handle going out at night? But I'm going to do it. Disco I nap. Gotta go. I mean, go nap. That's disco great. Nap. Disco nap. Um, but I'm, I had my kid's 16th birthday party last weekend. I could barely handle that whole process. And the thought of putting this on year after year would give me an ulcer. I would. I'd, I'd need. Well. Well, how many volunteers do you have? I mean, it's a lot. We have a committee of maybe 20, 25 people. That's that help us produce so the festival, awesome. and uh, many of them also uh, curate events, and 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 you know put them on. But you can see that because 
there is a really, um, there isn't one flavor. Like there's a lot going on and clearly multiple curations, points of view, ages, and that's what's lacking at most literary festivals. You know, I, uh, people have asked me, you know, what these sorts of questions and, uh, I, I guess uh, it's dawning on me that Liquid is kind of a gateway drug to literature. Yeah, I think that's Especially true. Especially for younger people. It's a, it's a fun event, and you're not even aware that you're getting sucked into a <laughs> world of book nerds. Really, really it's, well said. You know, uh, if we had to just rent really large theaters and pay Salman Rushdie 20 grand to come every year, right. and, uh, you know, Garrison Keillor right. and Joyce Carol. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Did so I doze the, off? You'd get the same people every you'd year, get, too. You'd and get you'd get 60 a demographic. to 70-year-old exactly. people every right. year. Exactly. Uh, 80% right. female, and you would get that same audience every year. Mm-hmm. And they would just get older with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't imagine doing anything like that. I would, like, stab myself in the eye. It doesn't um, seem consistent with the other stuff you've done in the past. Well, it's uh, there's a lot of excitement in having young people uh, buzzing about something. And, you know, if they... Uh, Maybe they uh, they just need a couple of fun events to remember that they can read books and buy books and write books. So many people come up to us and say, oh, my God, I was at the Lick Crawl, and I was listening to a bunch of travel writers, and I was sitting under a table, and I got so excited that I ended up writing a book, and I'm publishing it, and here it is. You know? yeah. Oh, my Those God, sorts that's of so things cool. happen all the time. And, uh, uh, that, to me, is like, I don't know, I feel like we're, we're doing, you know, good work there. Good work. Um, Paul Yamazaki, the book buyer at City Lights, tells me that he thanks Liquid all the time when he sees young people walk into City Lights. And I, I of course, say, Paul, come on, it's Don't a tourist destination. Yeah. People come yeah. all the time. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 what you guys are doing is you're generating interest in it for, uh, for people uh, where the demographic is several years younger than a lot of literary festivals. I feel I like mean, that in my own readings, that is. when I read at Liquid, definitely younger. In this city, that is definitely necessary. Well, it's really a yeah. transient public population here. That's People right. come in for two years, they move in, they get a job right. you know, at LinkedIn or whatever it is, and, and they're married like, and they bail. Yeah, or they're like, yeah, I think I'll go to Boston. There's a better job over there. You know, they're just yeah. kind of bounce around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, people wash in and out of San Francisco all the time. It's not so much the same in the East Bay. People tend to stay there more. Mm-hmm. They grow up there or they, they want to raise a family there. But yeah, the, you know, you have to keep uh, uh, some churn. Uh, there's some churn, and uh, you know that audience is always looking for stuff to do. You know? And you send them out into the world loving literature. Yeah. Oh, it's and like a literature cool. incubator. Hopefully. Can we go back to your story for a sec? Because I'm curious about. Well, we'll get. Let's go to the origins of of uh, Litquake because uh, yeah. Lemos ended '95, around '95. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few years unaccounted for here. What did you do after that? Uh. I sat on my sofa for like a month. Wow, that's good work um, if you get it. And I didn't really know what to do. I, How did you uh, do that without an iPad? Books. I'm going to say books. Uh, no. And then uh, all I had left w- at that time was a $35 a week column in the SF Weekly. Oh, boy. So they gave me a raise, and then I, uh, I started, for some reason, getting freelance work. So within a few years, I built that up, and I was writing for three travel magazines. I had a daily column in Salon. I remember that. I had a column in uh, this magazine called Business 2.0 that was some sort of fat... Oh, uh, yeah. ad-stuffed magazine that was about that you know, died, the, like the dot com. Yeah, it didn't last long, but I was a business columnist, which they just had really? money to burn. I was on the ba- inside back cover and was like, are you kidding me? I don't know anything about that. So I would just like make fun of like marketing campaigns or so whatever. Like at some point, you became the guy that like the 7 o'clock local like Eye on the Bay show would come to find cool stuff. Like, let's ask Jack Bulware what his favorite bar is, you know, and you, you'd, you'd written some of that stuff, too? Uh, well, I, uh, throughout the course of, like, writing a column for the Weekly, uh, I didn't ever know what they wanted. I read other columnists. I studied, like, the columns of, like, a H.L. Um, Mencken, you know, mm-hmm. of uh, mm-hmm. A Thousand Afternoons in Chicago by Ben Hacked. Great, great columns uh, in newspapers. Of course, these were generations earlier, but... Uh, I, I kept thinking, if I can just make it interesting enough, they can't get rid of me, or they can't replace me. So, you know, I would uh, 
go on weird adventures around the Bay Area, uh, visit people, you know, strange people, interview like Church of Satan people. I mean, I would go into all these sort of weird areas, and then uh, sometimes I would be... I just I, I realized I didn't I was working too much at the nose magazine I didn't have enough time to run around so uh, I would just make it up oh and uh, time honored tradition you invented San Francisco like Herb Cain uh, and just you know I would just make a whole fictional column or something I remember my editors at the Weekly are like are you on mushrooms like, no <laughs> not <laughs> I'm yeah. over. it's just and me I finished it on time didn't I <laughs> uh, so <laughs> so I guess that's uh, what I meant you sort of became an expert in a part of San Francisco. Well, I think you, you kind of gravitate to it. If you're, yeah. you're, I was like writing a column, and I was sort of like, what am I going to do? Just write about another band? You know? Mm-hmm. Jesus, who cares? I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I was never that kind of person. I was like, oh, my God, there's this weird old man who lives here, and he has had some sort of strange history, and I want to find out what it is. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. That, that stuff always appealed to me more, and it was sort of stuff that people had forgotten about. Does that carry over when you put together the roster for Litquake? You look for people that are under... uh, Exposed? Yeah. Mm, To some degree, but I think it was much more my focus. um, Writing your own stuff. You know, writing a newspaper column because there were all these other columnists in the city. There was a Chronicle and the Examiner and the Bay Guardian and there were, uh, there were, uh, you know, Bay Reporter and there was a bunch of you know, people all sort of like running around the city, you know, dropping names, bold face, this and that. And I was like, oh, man, how am I going to stand out here? You know, so I kind of went weird, I suppose, in a way. And and writing about that, it was the 90s. Things were kind of shock value was very sort of uh, uh, um, embraced back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has no emotional narrative to it whatsoever. It's not really writing. You're like... You know, shining a spotlight into a dark corner and saying, "Isn't this messed up? Look at it. Doesn't that freak you out?" <laughs> okay, and then what? You're like, "Oh, okay, we're on to the next item." You know, that's, that's that what was, you know. That's yeah, that's just smart. Just a little heads up uh, <laughs> that there's a guy who founded the Church of Satan. He lives out in the avenues yeah. and he has keyboards in his kitchen. Okay, let's move on. Uh, yeah, and you so got a whole book out of that. I did San do Francisco a book. book. Uh, I did do a whole book of that sort of stuff, and uh, it was pretty easy to do because I'd already written about so much of it, mm-hmm. and it was an interesting format to kind of pour all that stuff into. Um, people still find that book. You know, every once in a while, people will take a photo of it and send it to me, and I'm like, wow. I wonder, I wonder how much been, of the things you wrote about there are still here. I would say 30% of it's still left. And it was less than 20 years ago, wasn't it? Or right around Yeah, it was ago? like 1999, yeah. I think, is when that came out. No, 2000, it came out. I was going to say, I think it came out right after I got here, because I remember seeing it. Really? Everywhere, yeah. Wow. Yeah, had the uh, uh, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence yeah. on the cover. Yeah. Well, since we've gotten to the turn of the millennium, let's talk about the founding of Litquake because that's right about when it happened. That was a great segue. Thank you. That was that was totally professional. He's a pro. Yeah, that was very smooth. He doesn't leave his phone on for Russia to call. Yeah, no, no. I noticed he had his eyes rolled back in his head like he was, you know, he's doing an Thinking. incantation. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, beginnings of Litquake. Beginnings of Litquake. Uh, does the idea just spring forth in your head fully formed one day? Are you kicking it around for a while? It was about uh, 10.02 a.m. when I thought mm-hmm. of the idea. No, we were, uh, there was a bunch of us that were sort of circulating around uh, the Edinburgh Castle pub. Mm. And at that time in the mid-90s, uh, it was very lively with uh, literary events. They were doing uh, literary readings. They were doing tributes to... Uh, James Bond and George Orwell. Uh, there were like cabaret sketch shows. They did uh, the U.S. premiere of the theater version of Train Spotting by Irvin Welsh. Ooh. They staged it there. Uh, there was just a lot of stuff going on, and, and pretty soon the readings got more and more popular. And I, uh, I was part of a group of people who were doing those readings, and I never thought of reading my material out loud. Um, it never occurred to me. So I would write things just to be read out loud. Right Smart. And I noticed a lot of people were doing that, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Poe from the Grotto was mm-hmm. uh, part of that sort of original uh, group. And uh, so was Jane Ganahl, who, you know, we uh, are now doing Liquid together. So there was a small group of people there that thought we need to do something uh, because nobody cares about books right now. There, there were these sorts of readings. There were no 
literary reading series like there is now. There's a ton of them. Yeah, there's and a storytelling series and yeah. all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. None of that was happening. The bookstores were doing their thing. There was a kind of a spoken word uh, underground thing that had just kind of ended, I think, in the mission. Poetry District. slams, weren't they around that time? That was a big were, deal. 90s. They were kind of their own world. Yeah, oh, for yeah, sure. And yeah. They kind of still are. Yeah. Um, oh, they're still around? They have their own audience. Uh, you know, the Youth Speaks uh, uh, oh, right, 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 yeah. sort of model is very successful. But uh, So anyway, people were much more consumed with dot-com kind of like uh, – as a culture, it was all around you in San Francisco. All the billboards were everywhere. I remember uh, the only people who were really the writers' grotto had the periodic parties, mm-hmm. and we would go to those because that was the only thing to do. There was nothing else to do to hang out with writers other than go to the Edinburgh Castle and the writers' grotto parties whenever there was a party. And I remember going to a, 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 one of these parties and talking to a woman, young woman, and she was she was uh, saying, "Well, I'm a writer." <laughs> and I said, well, what do you write? She goes, well, right now I'm running for Pampers.com. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. So we have to do something. <laughs> we have to do something. It's like, it's like you know, it technology won and literature ended. Pampers.com. Pampers.com. What do you need to know about diapers? That's a column. Everything. She's Everything there. She's probably a CEO of I know. You know, Pampers right now. She owns right you. Now. Yeah. Uh, but... So we thought, let's do uh, a festival. What do we do? I don't know. Let's do something in the Golden Gate Park. I don't know. Maybe. We, how much does the band show cost to rent? So we like kind of figured all this out, and we took it to the San Francisco Examiner, and they said, we'll give you $1,200. That is like, amazing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, gee. And their cartoonist, Don Asmussen, made a logo and did a little funny poster for it. And then we uh, put together... Um, you know, a whole afternoon of readings. And um, it was some people from the literary community, some people we sought out. Uh, we weren't really that familiar with them, but we wanted them sort of in the mix. Like who? Uh, or like what? Ishmael Reed. Oh, yeah. I've never seen him read, but he closed the event. He, Fantastic. He was great. Um, yeah. uh, Marcy Blackman. There was um, there was a guy that was actually a member of the Grotto. He was a former welder, and he passed away from cancer. Victor. Victor. Uh, Lavalle? No, that's somebody else. Victor Martinez. Martinez, yeah. Mm. Victor Martinez was part of the first year. Um, yeah, so that was like, uh, I don't know, 20-some writers. We had a jazz band. They were friends of mine that just played people on and off. And, and it, was, it, was, it was this very uh, uh, kind of little sort of like... I don't did, know. Did honest people show thing, up? You know. Yeah, there were like four or five hundred people who oh showed my God. up. And it wasn't called Litquake at the time. It was called Litstock because Litstock, it was Litstock. outdoors yeah. in the park and uh, hippies are in the park. Ganja it wasn't really hippie ganja kind of. No. no, no, it was more book people, and you know, there were uh, hardly any sponsors. It was mostly the census examiner and three or four hundred people. Though that's. Really there was a TV crew there, and we were like, wow, maybe we are onto something, you know? Very and cool. so uh, it ended, and we had an after party at Edinburgh Castle, and, like, you know, everybody went back to freelancing because yep. that's what we were all doing. Pampers.com. Pampers.com. <laughs> I remember there's another that woman. That sock puppet guy, remember yeah, that guy? Oh, yeah, Pets.com. Yeah. Yeah. I knew yeah. someone who was a copy editor there. <clears throat> yeah, um, they were big. There was somebody I, I met who wrote for a wine website that wrote reviews of other wine websites. <laughs> it was <laughs> just amazing <laughs> the gigs wine. that were around. And there was so much money. Yeah, that's the thing. On the one hand, I worked for a dot com for six months before it went belly up. That's why we came here in 2000. But I just thought it was this amazing time. I remember putting my my resume on Craigslist and getting 17 calls. It was amazing. Oh my god, that's amazing. Like like an average writer could get a job and make money. Yeah. So yeah, there was tons. That did not last. No. Just want to say uh, it was. A brutal crash. Well, so we we did Let's Talk for one more year because it seemed like a good idea, and we just did the same thing, basically. Did it grow the second year? Uh, n- not really. I think mm-hmm. we moved it to the Yerba Buena Gardens mm-hmm. and still did it outside, uh, and it was uh, 95 degrees. Ooh, pretty hot. Yeah. Wow. And, That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. And same budget, and, you know, it, people got excited. And, and then the third year rolled around, and we thought, well, maybe we should uh, – do it again, and then you know the crash hit 
mm. and then the uh, the bottom just fell out of the economy in San Francisco, and everybody moved away. That's a, how I got a place to live. It yeah, was great. it was deserted. There were U-Haul trailers going. I remember seeing a story about a guy who whose business model was uh, selling confiscated foosball tables. <laughs> From dot com offices, that's and he had like this warehouse wow. filled with them, and I was like, "That's a specialty market." Uh, that's a big short right there. Yeah, so we thought, well, that's it. We'll never have another festival. Let's just try to make a living. That was really hard to do. Yeah, you know, a living here. Um, and then you know, nine eleven hit, and then there was definitely like, there's nothing going on here um, in the publishing world at all. I remember having For a sure. feature story at Playboy, and they're like, "Sorry, can't do it." We'll pay a full fee. And I'm like, okay. Oh. And it was just like things just froze for months yeah, as a writer. And uh, I'm sure uh, a lot of books were delayed. Uh, it was a very, very odd time. Um, New York hit was hit pretty hard. So I don't know. Maybe after the year in 2002, we started talking about the idea of doing another festival. Because people would ask us, mm-hmm. are you ever going to do another one of those? What about that thing you guys did? That was kind of, Are you going to do that again? And... Uh, we kind of knew how to do it by this time. We'd done two. And we thought, well, let's not do it outdoors because that's a disaster. Especially in San Francisco. Uh, we don't so, know what's going to happen. It's too unpredictable. So we changed the name and invited uh, some other people onto the committee that had more experience in like other things other than writing. Uh, <laughs> like fundraising? Writers and can only do so much. Yeah, right, yeah. marketing people. Marketing. And just sort of copy editors Project and photographers. And Liquid is such a great name, but I've noticed... You guys are national now, or maybe even international. Is that true? The Lit Crawl. Oh, Lit Crawl. Is, we franchise that. I got it. Because I was like, how could there be a Lit Quick someplace else? So it's Lit Crawl. Okay. Carry on. What if right. you franchise it? So there's an agreement that you, these people have to sign, and do you get a percentage of whatever money they make? Uh, it's like a small fee, and we give Licensing them... Licensing fee type Yeah, of consultation. We give mm-hmm. them uh, uh, calendar software. We give them graphics to use. Um, you know, they're hosted on our website. If they want to do their own, they can do that too. Um, so it's, you know, um, a tiny drop in the bucket, really. Uh, we didn't want to give it away for free because uh, that was already starting to happen and people were just sort of capitalizing on it and starting this kind of stuff up and using Especially if they suck. Yeah, well, it, it, that was starting to happen. Yeah, of course. People would say, I went to this thing called Lickroll and it sucked ass. Is that something you guys... I'm like, no, we don't, we're not... So that. do you have some sort so, of control over... We trademark the name Lickroll. But I if you franchise smart. it out, what sort of control do you have over how good it is? Uh, it's impossible to do. Yeah, it is kind of a trust system at that point. Um, but we we provide them with enough sort of uh, organizational structure, right? And so they have they access they, to your people, so they know what, what they're getting into. But you know, they kind of do it themselves mm-hmm. in every city. I think it should be that way. Uh, I think you should do uh, you know your programming to your own region. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's, we shouldn't dabble in that. That's, that's kind of their that's thing. That's the old nose idea, right? You represent your region. I guess. It was a larger region. Well, yeah, it was a bigger region, but a similar sort of mindset. Uh, so the last five years, this has been your job full time. Uh, yeah. Did you ever think that would happen? No. <laughs> no, not at all. Was it hard to make that decision? Uh, it was the festival needed attention. Mm-hmm. It was just growing, and more people were asking more things of us, and you know it was taking up a lot of time. Um, and we were all working out of our houses and all of that. And uh, f- I think at some point we um, somebody suggested that we we didn't have a board or anything. It was just like this sort of still sort of loose. You know, group of people, and uh, Jane and I were sort of the figureheads, and we uh, uh, applied for a James Patterson Literary Award. Oh, James! You know Patterson. the hack writer, James. I know Patterson, who he yeah, is. Yeah, embossed covers at the airport. But I'm glad he has a literary right. award. Well, he doesn't anymore. I think oh, maybe it's you changed. Used it up. Okay, it's changed over time. But there was one um, national, big national award that he was offering this year, and we applied for it and we got it, and oh that actually God, uh, allowed us to uh, spend more time on Liquid because it was just taking so much time mm-hmm. to do. I've you, always you wondered how you it. do it. No, You don't I think so. about it, but it's a lot of work. You know, It, it looks I like a lot of work. I think it wasn't a lot of yeah, work. Yeah, it looks <laughs> like a lot of work. all that stuff. I know, but what am, what am I supposed to do? Just code? 
or you know, so yeah, this is good. No, it's a good thing know. to do. It's a good I choice. Are you still writing freelance? Um, freelance? No, I don't have time. time. Yeah, I really don't have time. And you know, I uh, I got to do a lot of what I wanted to do already. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I would react to sort of jumping back in and saying working with them with people who were saying i need it uh i need 400 words but we can pay 35 dollars and we're gonna and, edit the shit out of it and we're gonna edit the shit out of it and uh you know maybe you can rewrite most of it yeah, yeah i just can't do that anymore. Yeah. i'm too old yeah I yeah, yeah really i get care. it I, I i got to like write you know ten thousand word pieces and i got you know uh my jollies that mountain's been that's good. awesome um you know uh I remember seeing Hunter Thompson interviewed on Charlie Rose once, and he asked him, what do you think you've done? You know, like, blah, 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 the big sort of question. And uh, and Hunter pauses and goes, I got away with it. <laughs> and I was like, you did. You ruined totally it for the rest did. of us. He really did. But we, you know, uh, we tried. I mean, th- that was the, the uh, is that Russia calling Russia again? again? It's my husband. Yeah. <clears throat> Who is in Russia right now. Maybe he's being held hostage. I don't know. <laughs> um Okay, so we, we need to wind down. We're running out of time. But so this year's festival coming up, what what uh, what readings are you looking forward to? Actually, do you get how many do you get to go to? I work uh, events all through the festival. All okay. of us do. So most of it I don't see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I curate events that I will never see. <laughs> I you know put everything in place. I program it. I contact that everybody. Set up the bookseller and the venue, and I never see it. You're not sleeping that week, right? Um, you know, you have to pace yourself. Yeah. Jane and I, there were some years where I would get sick mm. and I, I, festivals yeah. and go me. home. Yeah. I remember walking home during the lit crawl and people were like hey. all going to the after party. Hey, it's cool. It's cool. It's going to be great. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and they're like, where are you going? And I'm like, I, I can't. I'm like, I'm going to die. It is. It, it, it's impossible to so part. Pacing. You have to go to the lit crawl to realize. I remember once reading with a small group of women. I don't think any of us even had a book out in this little shop. I didn't even know if anyone would show up. Packed. Absolutely yeah. packed with people. They're all packed. Last and year. so at, much fun. Last year it rained during I the I remember. I right. never had done that before. And still everything was packed. Yeah. I was really proud of San Francisco. Me too. They it was, wanted to go see their literature even if they were a little fun. soaked. It rains in Seattle, Lacroix, every yeah, year. And in sense. Portland. Makes they're sense. used to it, but though. They're used to it, yeah. Right. Um, but that tired, that exhausted, that's, that's the good kind of exhausted, right? No. It's, gotta be, it's not a feeling of a job well done? No, not in the middle of the festival. No, you're like, fuck. Because something could still, like, still hit the fan, too. Well, and there's other things that you need to suddenly like figure out how to delegate, and you're yeah. hoping everybody else can pick up the slack. And uh, yeah. uh, So I just pace myself now. I mean, some, some years, Jane and I would actually sit at home during the festival for, like, one night huh. just to recharge. Oh, and I And then everything it. else is sort of roaring, you know, all over the city, and we're yeah. at home like... <laughs> You know. So when you take that month off, how far do you get through before you start thinking about next year's litquake? Oh, I'm able to turn it off. Are you able to turn it off? Oh, yeah. Well, the whole book industry, you know... Uh, shuts down. It, it kind of shuts down, and it has its weird seasons. Like, there's a certain uh, period of time where all of a sudden everybody's gone on Fridays. So it's really only a, you know, a, a three-day work week or whatever. Summer in New York. Everyone's yeah. gone yeah. on Friday. Right. Everyone's going to the Hamptons trying yep. to get the traffic. Right. Well, we yeah, it's a uh, it is a, a lot of work, but um, I don't sit and think about gosh, what a lot of work this is. I mean, when people ask me, I'm like, then I start to get depressed. Like, well, yeah, I guess it is. Jeez, yeah, but I wish I was thing. rich. I could just kind of sit at home and you know, like uh, type a little essay now and again or well, something. Do you, do you worry about burnout? Uh, I'm past that. I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I. I uh, the idea of burnout would be. I don't know if it's not fun anymore, or if it's not a challenge, or if uh, uh, you know it's inferior and and your body's breaking down or something. I, none of that's happened to me. You I sound like know. an athlete right now. Ugh. You do have to be an athlete that's what a little an bit. Would say, yeah. um, you know, uh, except we're riders, so nobody exercises. <laughs> <laughs> Except Bridget. Bridget's, yeah. Bridget's yeah. a jock. Bridget is, yeah. I know. Sinew. It's like sitting next to Jim Fix here. <laughs> Jim oh, Fix. Jim, he oh, died. Nice. He just dropped he dead. Dropped during dead running. running. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah sorry. I, bad example. Okay, let's think of someone that. else. Maybe Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe. Who drank himself The All-American Indian. Oh, oh, well. We are out of time. We are out of time. That's too bad because I'm really enjoying this. But I do, I just need to say, Jack, 
the festival this year looks really, really fun. I'm looking forward to so many events. So Me too. Well done. Me too. And why don't we let our listeners know where they can go to find out a roster of those events? Hmm. CitySearch.com slash no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't yeah. even exist anymore. anymore. I have no idea. Sorry, that was really odd. Liquid.org. Exactly. Liquid. Easy, and, easy. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I think uh, Lickcrawl has its own website too. Lickcrawl dot. It has. Uh, if you go to Lickcrawl dot org, yeah. it actually takes you to a page uh, where all of the Lickcrawls are in the world that work right, with us. Right. 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 Uh, and Lickcrawl begins October. Lickquake begins October sixth. October X. We say October sixth through the fourteenth, but we actually have a day of children's programming on the fifth. Okay. Oh, that's but nice. But it's uh, it's we do two days of kids programming. Actually, we do more this year than ever before. I don't know why. It just sort of like worked out that way. Because kids' books are huge. Um, yeah. You know, true. kids are our future. That's oh, what I hear. Really? Yeah, I've heard that. I you should write a column somebody about that. Told me that the other day, and I thought, you know, that's that really, really true. That really makes sense. Yeah. Like um, yeah, I'm going to think about future. that. So we sort of count it and don't count it because uh, it's actually not something that and the no general drinking. public can come to. It's mm. uh, uh, teachers reserve their uh, their oh. classes in advance, oh, that's nice. and then it, they always fill up. So that's really cool. So listeners, uh, it's coming up real quick. Check it out. Check 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 it out. Bridget, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, they can get a hold of me at bquinterest on Twitter or at bridgetquinauthor.com. And I am going to be reading at Lickquake on Wednesday night, 7.30, at the California Institute of Integral Studies. That's right. Um, oh, with some other writer-slash-illustrated um, book authors. And you can find me at that Larry Rosen Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my website for my other podcast, of course, is www.isitgoodforthejews.com. And I will be joining Bridget on the 14th at what's the name of the venue? Public space. Public space. I believe hosting the uh, Grotto's own lit crawl event. Five oh, o'clock. I'm producing that one. Hey, or well, babysitting it. So I'll see you there. So we'll Excellent. all be there. Yeah, we'll all be here. Jack I mean, we could just go in the corner and just continue our Do conversation. Another I would like that. I would like that very much. <laughs> Jack's been great having you. BQ, take us home. All right, friends. Read, write, and just keep working. Like Jack can't seem to stop doing. I know it's good. Good for San Francisco. Yeah, that's not me. Uh,